all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and my guest today is Dr. Crystal Lim, who is a psychologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we're talking about the issue of worry today. Join in our conversation by giving us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Good morning, Dr. Lim. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. And this is a topic that I think affects everyone. Everyone's had some worry at some point in time. But I want to start with you just telling us a little bit about you and what you do at UMC. Great. Well, thank you for having me here today. Um, I am a psychologist in the Department of Psychiatry at UMC. Um, My primary uh, role is uh, treating children and families that are seen in our pediatric weight management clinic at UMMC. And I also um, play a big role in training our psychology residents that are here um, finishing their last year of graduate school. And I supervise um, adult and uh, child cases that they see in our training clinics and in other areas of the medical center. Um, And I also do research also into um, how we can help kids and families eat healthier and be more active, but also look into some of the uh, emotional difficulties that might come along with um, kids having certain chronic medical conditions. And I, I love when you talk about the weight issues that you deal with, because, you know, that speaks directly to my, my heart as well. But, you know, worry, depression, anxiety, all of those can feed into poor eating patterns as well. So it's really got to get down to the root of some of the issues that are going sure. on with folks. Now, so you mentioned you're a psychologist. Tell us a little bit about the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Sure. So a psychologist, in terms of our training, is very different. So psychiatrists go to medical school and then they get specialized training in um, treating patients with certain psychological or emotional um, problems or difficulties. for psychologists, we go to graduate school, so we it's a, the training is different. We're not typically able to prescribe medications because we haven't gone to medical school, um, and we more focus on ways we can help patients kind of change the way that they think about um, certain things going on in, in their life, what they can do, so their behavior, um, and help them kind of function better. So we teach them skills and strategies as opposed to prescribe medication to help with these um, psychological disorders that they might have. And what I've found is it's really a combo of the two, you know, that really a psychiatrist and a psychologist are a a team that really produces the best outcome for the the patient Mm -hmm. in the long term. Yes, that is correct. So when we look at research and what does research say about the best treatments for people with anxiety disorders or other types of mental health um, difficulties, the best combination, the best approaches are typically those with a combined approach. So medication and um, a 
psychological treatment together is how patients tend to respond quickly and tend to have more long-term improvements in their functioning. So I want to talk about the concept of worry. And if, you know, we've got listeners out there who have troubles with worry or anxiety or even depression, we definitely want to talk with you today. Please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you don't really want to talk on the air, we can always do it by email and you can send me one of those at fit at mpbonline.org. So let's talk about worry. I mentioned that everybody worries at some point in time. You know, I feel like as a mom, that's what I do. 90% of my time is just worry about my children. And some of that is is normal. Um, But worry can become more, more of a problem. So when is worry good? And when is worry bad? Yeah, so something to think about is the reason why humans have worry is actually it's uh, an evolutionary reason. So it actually keeps us safe. Um, So you think back to our ancestors and hunting for food. And if you hear a loud noise, it might mean there's an animal coming after you, for example. So um, it is what promotes that fight or flight response. Tells you to run away. Right, exactly. (laughs) When we think that there's something scary in our environment, it tells us what to do or triggers us to know like it's time for me to do something to to keep myself safe. So everybody does have worry because it's evolutionary. We're we're all kind of designed to have that, to keep us safe, Mm -hmm. to keep keep us from experiencing danger or having, you know, identifying threat. Um, When it becomes... Excessive um, would be when it's, you know, something that you're thinking about all the time, when it gets in the way of you being able to do your everyday activities. So like go to work, go to school, take care of your family. Um, When it when you are avoiding doing certain activities because you're worried or scared of of how that's Mm going to go or have anxiety about a certain situation, those are kind of the the what we think of as the hallmarks of when worry kind of goes too far, um, when it's kind of consuming most of your day your thought, yeah. Yeah, and your, your thoughts. Yeah. And you just, I just call it, I call it ruminating because yeah. it just That's a perfect term circles for it. over and over and over in your head. Um, and you really, you're spending all your energy on, on the worry. And right. so it's going to, you know, it's going to definitely affect your relationship with folks. And then it's also going to affect your productivity as far as work is concerned if you're always in the the worry stage and not in the action stage right, of things. Exactly. And, and we've already got a caller this morning uh, over at the reservoir, so we're going to go talk to Getty this morning. Hello. Good morning. Actually, I'm walking on the reservoir, and I just wanted to point out for those listeners who are experiencing anxiety that walking every day is a great dose of medicine for preventing and treating anxiety and other mental health issues. Also, I want to throw in that black oil, and there are some limited uh, small studies that support uh, the role of black oil, which is an omega-3 fatty acid. Some people suggest uh, cod liver oil, but my experience has been that when I take several dosages of flax oil every night, it keeps my anxiety. I have claustrophobia. It keeps my, my anxiety at bay. So walking and flax oil are just two alternatives to medication that individuals could consider using. 
for anxiety. That's what I want to say. Well, thank you for that. And I know you've got a beautiful view going on over at the reservoir. I like to walk over there as well. And at first I thought you said black oil. And I was trying to figure out what that was because that was oh, a new right. one on me. And I was going, huh, I don't, I'm going to need to read these studies because I don't know what that is. But flaxseed oil makes much yeah. more sense yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from flax that. Oil. Yes, because it does have some anti-inflammatory type properties to it. Crystal, have you seen anything with flaxseed oil? No, I haven't read those articles. Wow, well, we're going to have yeah. some reading later today. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, and, you know, I agree with you. The exercise and, you know, finding any way to really take care of yourself, make time for yourself is a great way to manage stress, anxiety, Um there are a lot of other alternatives um, that I know we're planning to talk about we a little are. bit later yeah. in the show. But, um, you know, anything that takes your mind off your worry or your stress can be very helpful, as well as, you know, getting support, mm-hmm. talking to people um, at work, if it's work related or in your family. Um, you know, sometimes just being able to get our worries off of our chest can also mm-hmm. be very helpful, too, um, when they're not to the point where you might need um, medication or other types of things. Um, So this is just more thinking about managing everyday stress. That's right. So thank you so much for your call. And enjoy the rest of your walk this morning. It is a beautiful, beautiful day today. Not too hot, not too cold. It's a perfect day to be out and walking. And so we were talking a little bit before the show about something I call mindful walking. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing that I recommend to my patients who are dealing with um, stress, anxiety, or just that worry that, won't go away you know we say exercise is great for anxiety and it is but when people are dealing with especially the depression associated with anxiety you often have a lack of of energy in wanting to get Mm -hmm. up and do anything so me telling you to get up and exercise is great but you know actually being able to get up and do that can be a a struggle. Um, So most folks will get up and walk around a little bit. And what I tell folks to do is be present in your walk. And you say, well, how would you be not present in your walk? Well, that's being in your head, where you're just constantly thinking about all your worries. Your body may be moving and walking, but your mind is still focused on that, that worry. And so I encourage people to find, I say, look at what you see, what you smell, what you hear, and find at least one of each one of those things while you're out walking. You know, do you hear kids playing? Do you hear traffic? Do you hear the birds singing? Do you smell something? You know, somebody cooking hamburgers or are the flowers in bloom? Or, you know, does it just have that fall smell to the air, something going on like that? And then what do you see? You know, do you see the sunshine, the trees, the flowers? And just focus on being actually present while you're walking and not worried so much about my burning calories and all that kind of stuff. Just enjoy the walk is that something that you can get on board with yeah that definitely sounds like something that could be very helpful for a lot of people all right we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to keep talking about worry and we're going to explore some other ways that we can deal with that if you want to join in our conversation please give us a call at one mpb ring that's one 672 and we'll be back after the break
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And my guest today is Dr. Crystal Lim, who's a psychologist also at UMC. And we're talking about worry and anxiety and depression today. And if you want to give us a call, we do have open lines. Please do so at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org. Before we went on the break, we had started to explore a little bit about when worry is becoming detrimental to your health, when it's becoming a bad thing. And we talked about some of the symptoms of that, where it's, you know, the main thing that you're thinking about and it's starting to affect your relationships and your ability to work. But there are um, physical symptoms of um, of anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those are, of course, you think about racing heart and palpitations, but there are other ones that may not necessarily go, this is my anxiety kicking in. What are some of those? Right. So a lot of times, um, especially in kids that I work with a lot, we might hear about stomach aches or headaches. Um, and so often some of the, the sensations we might feel in our body can be associated with worry or anxiety as well. Um, So those are all important to be aware of. Um, For kids, especially, we might see um, that they're, um, you know, having these aches and pains before going to school or um, they may come up at certain um, times uh, when they're asked to do things that might be, you know, hard for them or anxiety provoking. Um, And so those um, physical symptoms are important to be aware of as well. Yeah. Sometimes it, you know, like you mentioned, stomach ache, I'll have kids who tell me like indigestion, you know, it feels like they're going to throw up um, Mm -hmm. or feels like they're going to have diarrhea. Either one, you know, they'll, they'll report those things. And it's, it's, you know, there can be physical causes of that, that we definitely want to rule out. But once we've ruled those out, we do got to consider that there's some anxiety or some worry going on there. And I think it's especially important to notice when there's patterns in those symptoms, parents might notice, or even adults that have anxiety or worry might also notice that in themselves. So being aware that you might feel nauseous before something that's coming up that you're pretty anxious about. Um, So being aware of those symptoms can be really helpful. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how we don't just avoid those situations in a minute, but we want to go to the um, phone lines because we've got Cheryl in Greenwood this morning. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're good. How is it in Greenwood today? Beautiful. Just beautiful. (laughs) You know, I grew up in Carrollton. Oh, wonderful. Just up the road. It is just up the road. Just a, l- a little bump in the road, pretty much, but a great That's place right. to a great place to grow up. How can we help you today? Well, um, I have had off and on over the years, uh, definitely anxiety and what I consider um, in term unrealistic fears and phobias. And um, I don't take any medication for any of it right now. Um, I try to exercise, and actually I've been doing yoga, which I've found has been very helpful for me. But um, I'm wondering, you know, I want to sort of get to the bottom of it and find out why I have these sort of issues, particularly regarding anxiety, regarding my health. And I get good health checkups, but yet I still feel like, you know, I'm going to get something next week, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be associated with the fact that my mother was very ill all my all her life, and maybe that was a fear. And I was wondering if you all had any experience or could, could talk about perhaps 
hypnotism. I've heard that for some of my friends that getting back to the root of the problem, that perhaps it could give me some relief. Yeah, um, I am not as familiar with hypnotism per se, but um, I I will say I I have heard that it can be helpful for some people um, struggling with kind of fears and worries and other kind of health conditions. Um, Most of the treatments that I'm most familiar with are cognitive behavioral approaches and the typical treatments for kind of the fears and phobias that you're talking about would be more focused on um, ways to teach skills and strategies that could help reduce your fears and anxieties in those certain situations. So it it less focuses on kind of getting to the root of the problem that you're talking about, um, but more focuses on kind of staying present and what are things that you can do to combat having those fears and anxieties. Um, you know, I I I know hypnotism can be can be helpful, but that's I, you know I don't have as ex- much expertise in that area. But you know, any type of like you're mentioning, any type of cognitive behavioral therapy, even if you're to get to the root of the issue through hypnotism, you're still going to need the cognitive behavioral approach right. to change the way that we think, because that's really right. what perpetuates the anxiety and and the worry is our response to that that cause exactly so that what if situation which is where the majority of people with anxiety and worry they live in mm-hmm. that they live for that what if you know right. what if this happens what if this happens what if this happens and the cognitive behavioral strategies really help you refocus the well what is the most likely mm-hmm. thing that will occur but if this worst case scenario happened here are my coping strategies for right. being able to deal with that type of situation going right. on. Right. So, you know, not, not necessarily a medication. Um, Cause you mentioned you're not on medicines and that's fine. I love that you're doing yoga. Yoga has so many health benefits, you know, aside from just increased flexibility and, and strength, but it does have a lot of benefit for people with anxiety and depression. So that's an excellent uh, modality that you're using there, but, you know, getting, as you said, to the root, whether that be through regular therapy or whether it be through a hypnotist or something like that is definitely something that, you know, I think could be worth your while to explore um, at least uh, the therapy portion of it. Well, well, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate your comments. And I, I do, you know, feel like I've got, you know, some mental control in terms of trying to deal with it, mm-hmm. you know, with, with help and with, and with diet. I believe we are what we eat. So. Yes. Um, <laughs> we are. We are. If I could get everybody to, to get on board with that, my job, well, I would be out of a job if I could get everybody on board with that. But uh, we definitely are. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank and thanks you. for giving us a call today. Mm-hmm. And you know, we are what we eat. And we were talking about it before the show that one of the strategies is making sure that you've got good nutrition in place because right, it really certainly. does, you know, and, uh, you know, there are certain things that make it worse. You know, caffeine is not your friend if you're dealing with, you know, especially the physical side of anxiety mm-hmm. with the heart palpitations and the racing. Exactly. You know, caffeine will just hop you all up and make that so much worse. And we've got a call from Hattiesburg. We're going to talk with Elliot this morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, there's a technique I can think of, and again, it may work for some people, Mm -hmm. not others. It depends on someone's level of anxiety and uh, their particular situation. But my thought was, is it kind of involves the opposite of what you would uh, anticipate. It involves prescribing worry. So what I mean by that is, 
scheduling a time during the day in which you engage in worry. It could be five to ten minutes, and to really worry hard. And then after that, you're not going to worry anymore. The idea being is to wear yourself out from worrying. And uh, so anyway, this is um, kind of, uh, how shall I say it, kind of opposite of what we would usually think. But uh, this prescribed worrying, again, allows us to express the worry that we have, and we could even verbalize it. But then after that, again, we can say, well, I'm not going to worry at all during the day. And again, we could have these different periods of prescribed worrying where we get it done and over with, so we, we won't have to worry the rest of the day. So again, this is just yet another technique to try. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Crystal's shaking her head. So I know she agrees with it. Yeah, and certainly. Agree yeah, with that. yeah. And we, we actually talked about it a little earlier as well, kind of giving yourself a worry time, you know, because some folks worry that they don't have time to worry. You know, yeah. so yeah. if you give yourself a little little worry time on your calendar, um, that can help with that. What else do you have to say about that, Crystal? Yeah, I think anytime you can, you know, have something planned. So the worry is not taking over other times of the day, that would be very important. I would also recommend using that worry time to use a strategy to also help manage the worry. So I think one of the Facebook posts um, was about worrying particularly at night before going to bed. And so, you know, oftentimes we recommend that people might journal and write down all their worry thoughts or things that uh, they have racing through their mind. Um, But I also would think uh, during your worried scheduled time that that would also be good to do is write down your thoughts or um, talk with someone about what you're worrying about. So um, you're you're getting your worries out, but also making a good use of it and using a coping strategy that then is you can leave your worries there and then get on with your day so it doesn't interfere down the road. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a great strategy. And I've actually used that with some of my patients also is, you know, let's not think about you. We want to not think about this maybe all during the day, but if we have a time set aside, um, then it's less intrusive in our everyday It's almost like exposure type right, therapy. Exactly. And uh, I was thinking, is, uh, is that a Milton Erickson technique? Um, I'm sorry? What did... Uh, you know, Milton Erickson, uh, he prescribing uh, the worry <laughs> and everything too. I, well, I think about Milton Erickson and his writings. That was... Uh, one of his uh, techniques and everything too but I guess the main thing is wearing yourself out so you don't worry anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah, and, and I, you know, similar techniques are used in other types of therapies, like marital therapy. We often say, like, have set aside a time to argue, and then right. you have um, less disagreements throughout the throughout other times of the day. Um, but we often find when we prescribe something like that, that people aren't able to really follow through as much as they think. Um, so it's it's kind of one of those techniques we use because people might realize they're they're not worrying a, about as many things as they would think, or mm-hmm. don't have as many disagreements with their spouse as they think. Um, So it can be good in that way in terms of changing people's perspectives about their worries or other things they're dealing with. Thank you so much for giving us a call. Thank you all for having me on. Absolutely. And thank you for, you know, calling in with that and giving us that great tip. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about the journaling that we were talking about. I call it the worry journal. And uh, we'll explore that topic a little bit more. And if you want to join in our conversation, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back after the break. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and my guest today is Dr. Crystal Lynn talking about worry and anxiety today. We've already had some great calls with folks giving us tips on managing worry and anxiety. And if you've got a tip that you want to share with us, give us a call at one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send it to me in an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Before we went on the break, uh, we'd had a great caller who was talking about prescribing a time to worry, and that is definitely something that we do. We give a, you know a little worry hour where you sit down and and uh, schedule that time to worry. And one thing that I use with my patients and I use with myself is a worry journal. So talk to me about a worry journal and what that is. Yeah, so you know a worry journal could be whatever. Um, someone would want or find helpful. So for some people, it's just writing down all your worries that you would have. For other people, it might be writing down situations that you might have your worries. So it would really be kind of what would be most helpful for a particular person Mm -hmm. or a particular worry that you might have. What are all the things you might worry about? What are... um, you know, what are things that you could do to help with that worry or reduce that worry? Um, so it could just be a, a good way to get all kind of like the the worry time. It, it's just a good way to get out all those worries. So you're mm-hmm. not constantly kind of holding them in your mind or having them. You're not ruminating about them. Right. Um, kind of take some of the power. Exactly. Out of they the worry. Ha- yeah, that they right, have that over you have. when you put it down on paper. It's kind of like making a to do list. You know, when you're thinking about all you have to do and you're like, I'm never going to get all this done. But you write down on your to-do list and you're like, okay, it's really only five things I have to do today. You know, so it makes it a little bit more manageable. Now your worry journal can look like whatever you want it to look like. Of course, mm-hmm. there are commercial ones out there that you can buy. There are templates that you can download off the internet. Um, there's an app for your phone. Um, I like the app uh, just because I usually don't have uh, paper with me all the time. Mm-hmm. So I can jot it down, but you could also use the note function on your phone. Um, But some of the things that I usually tell people to have in their worry journal, however they want to do it, if it's just a regular old 25-cent notebook from the drugstore, that's fine as well. I have a column for, you know, what, what are your worries? You know, write those down. And then a column for, you know, what's the most likely outcome of this, you know. And then what's the worst case scenario you're worried about? And then a column for strategies, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, what, you know, what could I do in this situation? And then the last column, which a lot of folks leave off, but I find to be actually the most important column is the what was the actual outcome? Because when you look at the research out there, about 85% of our worries never come to fruition. They're just unfounded worries. You know, the situation just doesn't turn out as bad as it as it, as we thought it would. And even, you know, over two thirds of the things that actually do happen, we were able to cope with them much better than we thought we were going to be able to. So that last column, I usually say, was this was the outcome worse than you thought it was going to be? Was the outcome better than you thought it was going to be? And, you know, now how do you feel about that particular worrying situation? Mm-hmm. And it really just lets you see where your worries are. You can even color code it as to what part of your life 
that worry has to deal with. Is it family? Is it career? Is it um, financial? You know, mm-hmm. so that you can see where you're spending all your worry energy, you know, and, right. and see it out there. That's one of the reasons I like the app because it will graph it for you mm-hmm. and make it all pretty and yeah, give you all kinds of colors great. around there. But anything, just getting them out there and getting them written down um, are are great ways to just see it and kind of let it go, you know, just kind of let go of that that worry, which can be very, very hard when it just lives in your head. Right. You and, know? <laughs> and writing them down and, and being so detailed also helps you see patterns. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of keeping track of worries and um, what's your initial worry at what, how did, what's the outcome? That is a strategy we use in cognitive behavioral treatment all the time mm-hmm. to help people with anxiety and worries to really see like the worst case scenario didn't actually happen. Right. And I was able to actually manage my anxiety and worry pretty well during that situation. So over time, it helps us see patterns um, again. So we know we can anticipate those ahead of time. I'm, I know I'm going to be really worried about talking on the radio. So here right. are some strategies I can use ahead of time um, to help with that. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, it's definitely something when I first started doing this radio show, that was on my worry journal every day. Like, sure. Radio show, radio show, radio show, radio show. You know, will, will I sound like an idiot? Um, you know, will anybody call and talk with me? And, you know, can I find guests mm-hmm. who would like to come on the show with me? And as you do it more and more uh, and you see, yeah, this is going to be okay, you know. And again, you always have that healthy worry, you know, but it's that that paralyzing worry that we're trying to get folks away from. Exactly. And, and what you're talking about. So we know like public speaking is one of, is is the worst fear for anybody in the country. So we know that's a really common thing that people face, but what you're also talking about is, you know, you're repeatedly being exposed or Mm -hmm. doing it. And so you, you realize, well, my anxiety is actually not so bad, or I, I know I, it's not going to be so bad, so I can right. handle it better. And and that's one of the major approaches in cogn- in behavioral treatment for um, anxiety is actually these exposure-based mm-hmm. treatments. So, um, you know, you're scared of snakes, so let's get let's expose you. You're going to see snakes and oh kind of teach people how to <laughs> reduce their worry. Now I'm talking about phobias that might be, you know, get in the way and really are paralyzing would be the treatments we use. But we know avoidance of things that makes make us anxious is why anxiety is so hard to combat for people. And so that's why exposure-based treatments are some of the most effective that we have in our toolbox. And if you want to join in our conversation or have a question or a comment about anxiety and worry or exposure therapy, if you've gone through that, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we were actually talking before the show about exposure type therapy for PTSD. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of an emerging way to to treat that mm-hmm. as opposed to medication initially, at least. Tell me about that. So um, what exposure-based treatments um, do is... Um in a, in a PTSD situation, there's like a trauma event or something scary that has happened to people. And what um, what we teach them to do is um, kind of they develop a story about what happened and then they kind of repeatedly hear it or read it or think about it. And then over time, their anxiety while hearing about the event um, is decreased over time. So it's um, kind of the idea, kind of similar to any kind of thing that we're scared of or that has power over us is to constantly be exposed to it. And then over time, your anxiety, your fear goes down. Um, so it's more just c- kind of confronting the situation that happened. And um, uh, after listening, listening to it, talking about it, then the 
anxiety and kind of the bodily sensations associated right. with that that we talked about earlier would also decrease over time as well. Now, this does not mean go catch some snakes. No, um, for and do some at home exposure therapy. Um, or for me, that would be spiders. Um, I think I would probably cut my own hand off <laughs> trying to get away from a spider. Well, and so what a counselor <laughs> or therapist would help with is actually help. We, what we do is help patients identify a list of all the things related to spiders or whatever your mm-hmm. fear is or situation um, for people. People with social anxiety, it might be developing a list of social activities that and then they're graduated. So things that make you the most anxious would be at the top of the list and things that are less anxiety provoking would be at the bottom of the list. And then what your therapist or counselor or psychologist can help you do is kind of go through each of the steps on that ladder. So it's really meant to be a graduated exposure. So you work on the things that don't yes. quite freak you out as much. Exactly. And exactly. Then, then you get a sense of accomplishment. Right. Oh, I can do some you of this. You can handle it. So like with spiders, it might be, you know, first looking at a picture of a spider Mm -hmm. and then realizing your anxiety is going to come down. Then it's like, well, maybe you go to the pet store and look at spiders. And so we gradually kind of increase the difficulty or how anxiety provoking the situation would be until people realize, well, you know, I can handle this and Mm -hmm. nothing bad's going to happen and and help in that way. I am not ready. (laughs) (laughs) I am not ready for the spider therapy, but I'll get there. The exposures also help with avoidance. So we know Mm -hmm. with anxiety, what maintains anxiety is avoidance. And so exposures keep people from avoiding what they're afraid of. I see that a lot with social anxiety disorders is, you know, people have that fight or flight response out in public Mm -hmm. and they're afraid of embarrassing themselves or passing out or not being able to get away or get out Mm -hmm. and so they just turn to avoiding going out and then we get agoraphobic where we're not going to leave the house and it's just a big old vicious cycle in there and you know one thing i tell folks is well let's make up an exit plan you know so Mm -hmm. if you're out at the grocery store and your anxiety becomes significant first let's talk about some of the ways we can deal with that but have a have an exit strategy. You know where you're going to go, you mm-hmm. know, that you're not going to get trapped in that grocery store mm-hmm. and it's going to be OK. All right. We're going to go to Madison and talk to Sarah this morning. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. What you got for us today? Great. I, I just tuned in and I've, I've heard a lot about worry and, mm-hmm. and I may have missed it, but I know in treatment, we look at the, a holistic approach, and there's always a spiritual aspect as well. And I was just curious if you guys had mentioned the, the option of prayer, uh, mentioned in Matthew 6 and Philippians 4, how we can give our worries to God. We have not, but it was definitely on our list. You know, I keep um, several passages in, in Matthew highlighted, um, and I go over them with my children as well because they have uh, they they do have some worry um, with that. So, absolutely, spirituality and prayer can be a huge part of dealing with worry and anxiety. Um, I'll usually also ask you know my patients, do you have you know do you have a spiritual home? Do you have a you know a church that you visit um, or that you're part of? And have you spoken with that pastor or spiritual leader? They um, so that they can help you along this pathway as well. Do you have anything else for that, Crystal? Yeah, no. And we would, I would recommend the same thing. So if um, for patients that um, are spiritual and religious to, you know, even part of the strategy that we might 
we might talk about incorporating to help with anxiety and worry would be prayer or reading passages Mm -hmm. or talking to spiritual leaders um, would be so important. And you're right in treatment. We want to take any type of treatment. We want to take a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. And if that's, um, you know, very important to people to have that incorporated into their treatment, that that's certainly what we would recommend. And for some psychologists and counselors, it might even be talking about that in session Mm -hmm. um, with patients as well. Um, So taking the holistic approach, approach is definitely something that is very important um, to include. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. You You know, we we try very much not to compartmentalize people and that we really do look at all aspects of the human experience when we're trying to deal with not only mental um, health issues, but also physical health issues. We've got to look at at the whole gamut of things um, to make sure that we address any area that's needing uh, needing to be addressed. All right, we're going to go to uh, Rick in Grand Bay. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. How are you? Um, I, I, I suffer from uh, PTSD from okay. Vietnam, mm-hmm. and my 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 trauma was that uh, uh, I made a promise to a buddy of mine. I don't know if you know anything about the camaraderie that goes amongst servicemen, especially in battle. But mm-hmm. the, the 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 what you call it, the uh, relationship sometimes they say is uh, even closer than the husband is to the wife. Sure. You know, um, and I made a pact with him that I would promise that uh, if anything were to happen to him, that I would make sure that this family would have a body to bury, and I didn't keep that word. So my 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 resolution to that trauma is uh, to go back and find his dog tags where I left them. And at least give them that. But uh, and then then I suffer from Asperger's on top of that. So it's mm-hmm. kind of really I I become a caveman. I guess I call it. I call my room my cave. Every mm-hmm. once in a while I get out of my cave and I go to uh, I'm I'm over here in Grand Bay. I go to the truck stop and I got a little uh, picnic table out there and I sit there and I sit there and watch people and then I go back to my cave. You know I'm just and become a recluse, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm so, sorry. um, and I've never really had any treatment. Yeah. Um, um, uh, my doctor's got me on Ativan. I don't know what the name, the generic name she's given me for it. Mm-hmm. Razapam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it just seems to keep me kind of just, yeah, well, uh, not in, in a sleep state almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one, thank you very much for your service. Um, we really appreciate yes. your, your service. Um, and, and two, you know, it sounds like you've, there's, you've been through a lot, which is understandable. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure what um, options might be available through the VA um, service, but that, you know, they have, um people trained to treat PTSD um, using empirically supported treatments with medication, um, if that would be something um, that might be available. Um, 
you know, it, it sounds like you are doing the best you can with, with what you have going on, but it is complex. And there, there are a lot of things that you've mentioned, um, that, that are making, that might be making things a little bit more difficult for you. Um, so it sounds like maybe getting some additional support and help might be helpful. Yeah. Cause I, I think a combination of, you mentioned you're on some medication and that mm-hmm. medication is, is more of a sedative type medication. So it helps with some of the anxiety, but it doesn't help with, um, kind of resetting the the chemistry that's going on with the the worry um, and the anxiety and, and the the long-standing anxiety it's more of a, a quick acting medication so there are some others out there that will work a little bit more on on preventing the anxiety um, instead of just treating the anxiety right when it occurs so that would probably be one thing to talk with your provider about because you mentioned you do have a provider um, and then speaking with them about um, it doesn't even have to be a psychologist. It could be a counselor that specializes in military personnel and the VA should be able to help uh, with some of that or finding uh, support groups in the area of other uh, military personnel, because just like you mentioned, that that's a bond that is a special bond among service uh, men and women that those of us who have not served would would not understand in completely and entirely. And so um, your story is certainly not um, a unique story. There are others that uh, have gone through very similar uh, situations, I'm sure, um, that that can help you deal with that, how you feel like you let down your your friend, um, knowing that you, you didn't, um, you know, ultimately let him down, but helping you cope with that that feeling um, that you somehow failed him. So, um, you know, Rick, uh, again, you know, I, I thank you so much for your willingness to, to serve our country. And if you um, want some more information, if you just need to talk to somebody, you send me that email at fit at mpbonline.org. And I will do my absolute best to try and find um, somewhere over in your neck of the woods to get you some help and get you connected with somebody that can help you with that. that was a heavy one but you know very needed Uh, we're going to go quickly to our uh, caller that we have on the line in mobile and talk with mikey good morning mikey oh good morning i'm sorry this may be a heavy one too that's all right that's (laughs) what we're here for we're here for the heavy stuff not as heavy as the last gentleman's um uh though um hopefully um uh my issue is that i went to a dentist he did some good work initially, and then it seemed that he started to deliberately harm my teeth. He wanted to be paid in cash, um, and uh, let's just say that there's some obvious um, problems. Um, mm-hmm. In other words, uh, <laughs> um, you can look at my teeth now, and you can look at uh, the pictures of me before and uh, see that he was just plain lying mm. and doing some wrong stuff, including he put a hole in a tooth that um, is now, and I've just been, I can't bring myself to go to another day. I already had some issues with it, but I can't bring myself to go to see another dentist. What mm-hmm. do I do? Dental anxiety is it's a very also common very one. Common. It's a very common one. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I have a a big 
dental phobia as well. Of course, I did not have anyone you know injure my teeth. But when I was pregnant with my second child, um, I had a tooth problem. And I went to the dentist and they were going to take um, films. And I was like, you know, I'm pregnant. Is that okay? And they were like, it's fine, you know. And so I had the the radiographs taken. And then that was actually our child who was was stillborn. And intellectually, I know that the two were not related, but it was a big mental hang up for me, um, not wanting to go back to the dentist. So I went years without going back to the dentist. And and I've tried out multiple dentists and, you know, didn't find one that I like. I have uh, found one about uh, about six months ago that really gets the anxiety that I have. I mean, just the smells at the at the dentist office just trigger that for me. Uh, and so you know, they put me in a vibrating chair um, with that's got heat and massage and a TV on the ceiling and headphones. So I don't have to see, see anything. I don't have to hear anything. Um, and that has helped with that. I mean, it doesn't get rid of the anxiety, but uh, that has been helpful for for me from that perspective. But do you have any other tips on dental anxiety? Because it's a big one. Yeah, I think in in her situation, it might be even good before, like even just go for an uh, introductory yeah, interview just a meet with and the greet. dentist, yeah. like a meet and greet where they're not going to actually touch your teeth or do anything like that. Just so you you get you get exposed to the office, you you talk are able to talk with them about your previous experiences mm-hmm. and um, help them understand why you might have so much fear and anxiety, and then they'll kind of work with you to find other things that that might be helpful. Right, kind of um, just taking it one little back, bite at a time. Right, exactly, one step at a time. That's kind of similar to you know doing things graduated mm-hmm. in, in a graduate a gradual way and taking somebody with you right you know taking having a support person having a person be very helpful and that's gonna watch you know i'm gonna right. watch what's going on right. with this but it, you know it's definitely you know there's a whole lot of of anxiety related to the dentist mm-hmm. that that people are dealing with for various reasons um but i really like the idea of going and just meeting uh meeting the dentist maybe the next time you can just get the x-rays done right you know just do it one step at a time one step at a time with yeah. that what you think about that mikey well, unfortunately, I did that with this. Oh, no. Yes, and it didn't work. Did. And that's where I divulged to him that I had what I considered to be a small incisor and that it was one mm-hmm. of my dreams mm-hmm. to possibly have a cap put it on it one day. Mm-hmm. And that is also when he determined that he would, um, uh, because he was taking care of the next the next tooth that was cracked, the canine, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the temporary that was put on was the exact replica um the uh the morning that I was going back to 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 get it uh get the permit put on um, they called me when I was five minutes out from the office and said oh oh oh, oh yeah oh oh and uh I said, well, I'm five minutes out I'll be right there i'm sorry i'm I hope I'm not late and um when I got there, they insisted that I go down the street and get cash for the payment. Uh, because that's because they always assured me that I would be paying a discount in cash, mm. and um, it, it was all agreed upon. But the incisor that was small, when I got back, first of all, I've got somebody else's entirely cap. The permanent is nothing like. I mean, you can look at the pictures; it's very obvious. Not only that, when I look at it with a piece of dental floss, it starts to bleed. I mean, bleed to the t- to the point where you can taste blood in your mouth. Not a good thing. And the the incisor that was small had a small hole put in it, like a dentist drill. Mm. 
Well, you know, it sounds like your particular situation is compounded by the fact that you know, it's not just traditional dental anxiety. It was also some some dental probably malpractice done at that point, you know. And so it's going to be more than just strategies that you can do at home to deal with this. You know, it's really sounding like it's more you need to meet with a mental health counselor, psychologist that can really work on on the, the roots of these issues and getting getting some coping strategies because, you know, not all dentists are going to be that way. Um, and you know, the majority of them are not going to be that way. And uh, we do got to get you back in to the dentist eventually um, to get some of those things taken care of. So, um, you know, that that's my recommendation. Crystal, you got anything else you want to no, tag onto that? Yeah, that's that it's probably going to be time to ha- get you know an actual professional plan yeah. um, to deal with some of these issues. All right, Mikey, I'm sorry that all that happened to you, and I thank you always for calling. All right, well, uh, Crystal, when people are going to decide to go to a mental health professional, whether it be a psychologist, a counselor, a psychiatrist, there are probably a couple of things that they can prepare before they go that would be um, helpful for that healthcare provider to provide the best care for them possible. Let's quickly go over some of those. We're almost out of time, but I want to give uh, give some of those tips out before we get going. Sure. So um, particular if you, particularly if you have concerns about anxiety or worry, um, what can sometimes be helpful and what your what providers are going to ask you about is how often are you worrying about these? How much time do you spend doing that? And so kind of like we, what we mentioned earlier, the worry journal can be helpful, but also kind of keep more keeping track of how often these th- thoughts, the ruminating thoughts are coming up. What do you notice it getting in the way of doing? So how is it impacting your life? Um, some of the content of the thoughts are also important in terms of, you know, what are the things you worry about the most? Um, How uh, have you tried to manage them in the past? And how has that gone can be really helpful. So I think primarily the kind of intensity, um, how long are you ruminating? How difficult is it to think about other things when you have your worry thoughts can be helpful? How much time do you spend doing that? Um, And then kind of the situations or context of your thoughts when they come up. For me as a a primary care provider, really one of the the most important things that I need to know is what's been tried in the past. Right. You know, have you already tried this medicine and didn't tolerate it? You know, have you been to any kind of therapy sessions? Those are what are helpful um, for me in formulating my best treatment Mm -hmm. plan for you. So gosh, that hour went by super quick, but we had lots of great callers and I want to thank all our callers uh, for joining in our story and being part of our show today. And I want to thank Crystal Lim for being a gracious guest and helping me out today. And we will be back next week with a new topic and a new guest. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Be sure to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup.